Matthew chapter number 21. I want you to look in your Bibles now. Uh, as you notice now, as uh, the night has progressed, this is not a one-horse show. Listen to me. It is a privilege and an honor to be the pastor of this place. But I take no credit to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Because if God hadn't been in it, I'd been with Kevin. But since God is in it, Kevin is with me. That do make a difference, amen. Now you need to realize that. We're not for God, some of you guys would be where me and Kevin has been. And you'd still be there tonight. So thank God for his grace. You can shine up your halos all you want to, but Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, who Paul said he was chief. And we ought to be after sinners. Uh, They're the ones that need a physician. Amen. Well, uh, God bless your heart. I don't know what to preach tonight. I just, guy ought not preach on Sunday night. He ought to be watching television or something. Somebody said, and I don't know who it was, but the trouble with milking a cow, she never stays milked. You'll get that after a while. You got to keep on keeping on. The only thing worse than owning a dairy would be owning two of them. You got to do it at the same time every day, twice a day. You want to go out of town, you take the cows with you or get you a long hose. And the trouble with building a New Testament independent Baptist church is the work is never done until all the sinners has been won. And you say, well, I'm getting old. Enjoy it. Just get older and keep doing it. Now, I want to read you just a few verses. Probably won't get off to preach it very much. Look at verse 28. And Jesus says to the crowd he's speaking to, We'll identify the crowd in verse 23. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things and who gave thee this authority? They're talking about cleansing the house of God and running the money changers out, cursing the barren fig tree because it had no fruit on it and cursed it and it died at the roots. And the religious hierarchy came to Jesus as he was teaching in the temple and asked our Lord, by what authority do you do these things? Verse 28, and Jesus said, but what think ye? Intending to create a little thought on the part of the religious hierarchy. By the way, Baptists, it's okay to think. 
What's wrong with most of us is we have forgotten how to think. We've got to follow somebody else's thoughts and somebody else's leadership. They dictate what kind of shoes we wear and they dictate what kind of haircut we have and they dictate what kind of clothes we have. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. America has forgot how to think. Uh, Paul admonished the church at Philippi. He said, there are some things that will make a difference in your life. And it is what we think about. And Paul said, think on true things. You can't watch the political campaign and think on true things. Because you haven't heard the truth on Fox News, on CNN, BULL, and the other national stations. Think on things that Paul said that are true and honest. Now I'm sure that all the Republican candidates are honest. The Democrats are not, they're crooks. But all the Republicans are honest. Hello. Why, even the Republican candidates has made liars out of everybody they've been running against. My candidate is not a liar. The Bible said all men are liars. Special note, especially Republican candidates. Think on these things. Wrong thinking leads to wrongdoing. Wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. And then there's those folks that don't think at all. And Paul told us and admonished us, if you want the peace of God in your life and you want the presence of God in your life and you want the power of God in your life, you need to watch what you think. Amen. That's part of the introduction. And then a certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go. Work today in my vineyard. Don't need to be a rocket sign and sun stand that. Son, to as many as receive him, give him the power to become what? The sons of God. Do we have any children of God here tonight? Do we have anybody who's embraced Christ by faith and will bow to an old rugged cross and at the foot of the cross leave your sins and stand up washed whiter than snow? Is there anybody here tonight has been to Calvary? Say amen. amen. Then you're a son of the living God. So guess what? The message is for you. Son. 
Now, there's a difference in slick and sun. Preacher, I, I love you because you love our kids. I do love your kids. But I don't love your kids like certain kids in this church. I have a blood tie to them. And if you're one of those who think you ever get through raising your kids, come to my office tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I need to help you a little bit. Amen. So you folks who plan on having them bouncing, cuddly little boogers, they don't always stay that way. They grow up and actually grow forked tail and horns. But no matter, they're still sons. And a certain man, Jesus said, had two sons. And he addressed one and said, son. He did not say slick. He did not say, hey, you booger you. He did not say, you reprobate, you rebellious individual. He said, son. Son, go work. Aren't those good words for a kid to hear? Just as a wee lad, I don't know if I was big enough to even carry a hoe or not. But my dad would get me up early in the morning. Yeah, before the sun came up. Can you believe that? And he would put a hoe in my hand. And he would say, son, do you see that tobacco patch down there? I want you to take this hoe and go down there and get to well-doing. And I would well-do from one row to another until my daddy said, we're done. You say, why didn't you tell him no? You need to come to my office for me to describe to you how I was physically abused all my life by my mom and dad. And he would not ask me. He would say, son, go work. Go work. You know why this church, humanly speaking, is what it is today? Because I'm not afraid to work. You know why your Sunday school class will be what it is? Your opinion of work. Son, have I hit on something tonight that might be needful? Son, go work. That's what he said today in my vineyard. Now watch this. And he answered and said, I will not. That boy is a Baptist. 
That's a Baptist verse if you've ever seen one in all your Bible. I will not. I have other things to do. I have a job. I have a family. I will not. And the Bible said afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise, he answered and said, I go, sir. Respectful little booger. I go, sir. If you want me to pray in public, I will. Just don't ask me to do anything else, sir. I will, sir. Me watch them rugrats in the nursery? Why, sometimes our ladies come out of that department bleeding. (laughs) Oh, yes, preacher. You can count on me. And went not. Have you found any Baptist in these verses? Whether the twain did the will of the Father, Jesus said. They said unto him, the first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots, now he's talking to the high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious crowd of his day. And he gives this parable, and they do not know that Jesus is about to blow them out of the saddle. And he said, the harlots and the publicans and the sinners is going to go to heaven before you hypocrites. Wow. Jesus said unto them, the first, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Well, whatever changed the harlot's mind who said no at the beginning? Whatever changed the publican's mind who said, no, I will not receive him. No, I will not. What changed their mind? Verse 32. The Bible said, for John... The Baptist, not John the Presbyterian. John the Baptist came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not, you religious nuts. But the publicans and the harlots (coughs) believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards that you might believe him. I just thought I'd stop by tonight for just a little while and read this parable to you and kind of let you know what I saw within the depths of this parable. Jesus wants us to think. He asked this religious crowd, but what think ye? 
Why do you think God put that parable in there about two sons, one who said he would and he didn't, and the other who said I will and he didn't, and the other said I will not and he did? Why did Jesus put that in there for us tonight? Maybe he put that in there to get us to think a little bit. And as I read this parable, it, it, it reveals some things to me. First of all, it reveals to me a relationship. Father and son. You see, we're not harlot, harling, hirelings tonight. We're not paid to do this. Uh, we're not hired to do a job for God. A child of God, a son of God, one that has been redeemed and saved, the love of Christ should strain us to do the work of God. Well, I didn't disobey my daddy because I knew he'd slap me in the next week. I obeyed my father because I respected him and I, I loved him and I didn't understand why he had put a whole handle in my hand and he'd go down to the post office. It took him longer to get mail than anybody I've ever seen in my life. It took him a half a day to go down there and get three letters and it wasn't a half a block. But I kept well-doing. The Bible said, and be not weary in well-doing. If we do not get weary in well-doing, we shall what? Reap. If we faint not, if we let the weeds take over the crops, if we let the weeds take over and smother the crop, there's no harvest. Amen. We must be careful with well-doing. We must keep the weeds of worldliness out of our life. We must keep the weeds of uh, materialism out of our life. We must keep chopping down those things that suffocate the Word of God in our life. There is a relationship that father referred to him as son. Son, that, that's a very special, special, special term. Son. I've got three of them. Two of them are idiots. The other one is retarded. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know when we shall see him, we will be made like him. Verse 2, beloved, now are we the sons of God. The sons of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that ought to motivate us to have a burning desire to work for our Father in His vineyard. Can you say amen? The basis of this relationship is just the word son. The desire of the Father's heart, watch this, son, go What's the next word? Where? God wants us to do his work. Even he said, I must work the works of my father which has sent me. One of the greatest privileges in all the world is to be able to work for our Lord. Man, I would not trade 
my 50, almost 50 years of preaching the gospel, 50 years of seeing God, 100% take care of me and my family financially, physically, emotionally, domestically, relationally. I would not trade with Trump. I have trumped Trump. Man, what a privilege and what a wonderful opportunity. Brother Franco probably has Sunday school classes that needs to be taught. He's probably got rooms with nobody in them. Son, go work today for your father and fill it up with eyeballs and ears and tell them about Jesus. Amen. Amen. The basis of the relationship is sonship. The desire of the Father is that we work. The Bible said an idle soul shall suffer hunger. We're living in a welfare state. I'll go shopping when they send me my check. Well, why don't you go to work? And you get a check on a regular basis. We are living in a day when people work harder to get out of work than they work the work that God has given them. Folk tell me, well, I'd rather be a member of a small spiritual church. They ain't no such animal. There's a reason they're small because they're not spiritual. (laughs) Anything that's spiritual is growing. Can you say amen? And if you've stunted in your spiritual growth, if you're not praying more and reading more and getting more and going more and experiencing more and enjoying more, you need to stand up, buddy, and be counting and let God do something in your life and get to work. Just... Get to work. Work is pleasing to the Father. Good for the vineyard. And profitable to the Son. Amen. I never shall forget the first person I ever witnessed to in my life. I was scared to death. If I'd lost that little leather tail in my Bible... I'd never been able to find Romans chapter 3. No, sir. And I was scared absolutely to death. Any of you ever get scared when you walk up to a door and you're not sure what's behind there? But there was a sign in the front yard, beware of man-eating dog. Huh? Don't you just walk up there with all the confidence in the world that God's going to take care of you and you're not going to be asked anything that you don't know how to answer. You have the confidence that the Hebrew children had the fiery furnace and you just knock on that door with all the confidence in the world with your knees knocking like this. Come on, say amen. Amen. Huh? Can you say amen? Best thing you can do is face and fight your fear. 
Fear is debilitating. But you don't have to be afraid. You can fight it. Just walk up to the door, knock on it. They come door. I come talk to you about the Lord. Now you open your mouth, you got to talk your way out of it. That's better than saying, what kind of rug you got there? I noticed the dog is meowing on your rug. Have I hit a soft spot? Son, go work. The urgency of the plea. Today, when should I sign up? Today. Behold, today, Paul said, is the accepted time. Today, the Bible said, with all the confidence in the world, and I believe with all my heart, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Somebody said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For night cometh when no man can work. Wherefore the Holy Ghost said today, if you will not, if you will hear his voice. Fella working down at the factory. His boss walked up to him and said, Say, how long you been working here? He said, Ever since I saw you come around the corner. <laughs> when are you gonna start? Our Lord is about to come around the corner. He's going to split the eastern sky and cry, come up hither. And all of God's people is going to go yonder. Son, go work today in my vineyard. It reveals not only a relationship, it reveals a responsibility. Verse 28, watch this. Verse 28. Son, go work today in my vineyard. To obey, somebody said, is better than sacrifice. Somebody said, not to obey is as the sin of witchcraft. Very plainly, urgently, our Lord says today, we need to go work in his vineyard. Daniel Webster said, my greatest thought is my responsibility to my God. I read for you out of the book of Romans, chapter number 14, if you'd turn there for just a minute. It's 10 minutes till someplace. It's five minutes till here. But in your Bible, Romans chapter 14. And I'd like to just read you two or three verses. The Bible says in verse number 10, watch this. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
references to a bema seat where the most Roman, most Roman towns had one. It was a raised platform with a chair, sometimes very elaborate and very, very attractive. And it was there that judgment and rewards was meted out. It was there that Agrippa sat when Paul stood before Agrippa. And it was that seat in Rome called Caesar's seat was the place of judgment. And it's that place that Paul yielded to and said, since I'm a Roman citizen, I yield to Caesar. And they could not touch him because they had to take him all the way to Rome to judge him before the Bema seat of Caesar. And the Bible says that one day, high and lifted up, Sitting on the judgment seat, Christ will judge. Please now turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. I see a relationship in this statement, but I also see a responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Watch this. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord. wonder why Paul didn't talk about the love of God. The mercy of God. This is judgment. This is when we stand personally before God, not give an account of our salvation, but give an account for our works since we've been saved or the lack thereof. And it's that judgment that God is going to mete out rewards or losses to we who have been saved. Well, I don't understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Please. I see a responsibility. Now, if you think this is funny, one of these days, you won't. This is not Roadrunner and Coyote. This is not Disneyland. This is serious. I read for you now. Watch this. Verse 12 of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. The Bible is very plain. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, 
And here's the foundation. Gold, silver, precious stones. That's one foundation. Here's the other foundation. Wood, hay, and stubble. Two foundations. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Watch this. Now the gold, precious jewels, and silver will be thrown on the fire of judgment of God. And guess what the fire will do? It will only purify it and make it much, much better. Because the motives were right, the methods were right, the means were right. You did it because you love God. You did it because you want to honor God. You did it because you want to bring glory to God. And all of that is jewels and silver and gold. But now if you did it to get praise of man, to impress somebody else, or for your own benefit, or for your own exaltation, that will be wood, hay, and stubble. And all of your selfishness and all of your secretness will be cast on the fire of God and it will be consumed. Shall we read on? And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive, what's the word? You know there's going to be rewards in heaven? Yeah. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. Not only does this parable reveal to me a relationship, and thank God I have a relationship with the Father. Amen. And I thank the Lord that all these many years I've never been afraid of man. My job is not pleasing you. My whole life is about pleasing him. And if you're pleasing him, I'll be pleasing to you. Amen. And I don't want to see your works consumed. I want you to be standing there. I was in, I was in Pueblo, Colorado, my wife and I, and I was preaching in revival. I give an invitation one night. An elderly, saintly lady walked down the aisle. She said, Preacher, could I tell you something? I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, My name is such and such. And I worked a bus route for years and years and years. And Ray Leonard rode my bus and got saved. 
the boxer, Sugar Ray Ray. And I picked him up on the bus for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember the day that Sugar Ray Leonard walked down the aisle and got saved in our children's church. Wow. <laughs> you know, if one of those bus kids walked down the aisle this morning, he's just as important to God as Sugar Ray Leonard was. He may, can, may have come with tattered clothes and tore shoes and an empty belly. And he may have gone home this evening to nothing to eat and nothing but drugs in the house and confusion and havoc all week long. But thank God there was a bus worker that went because they loved Jesus and loved sinners. Can you say amen? I want you to know tonight, when you stand before this judgment, as I stand there and witness, the Bible says that I will have to give an account for your soul. Did you know that? Do you know when you stand at this judgment, I'll be there. And God will ask me whether the pleasure, was it a good time to be that guy's pastor? For they, pastors, give account for your soul. And I don't want to stand there with tears running down my cheek. All because you served God for the wrong reason all your life. A responsibility, a relationship, and notice a response. The two boys. One said no, the other, and he went ahead and did it. How many times did you say no before you got saved? See, without repentance, there's no salvation. Without repentance, there's no admission that you've ever done anything wrong. And this one boy said, no, I'm not going to do it. And after he went and did it. The other boy said, yes, sir, I'll do it. And didn't. Church members fall into the category of both them boys. Some say I'm not, and then one day the Holy Ghost gets hold of them through the preaching of God's Word, and they have a revolutionary change in their life, and they're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. And then I preach to some of you till my face is red, and you just flat act like you're going to, and never do it. Just don't do it. Verse 31. And I close. Whether of them twain did the will of the Father, the one who said no and repented and went and did it, or the one who said, you can count on me, Daddy, and didn't. Which one of the twain did the will of the Father? What made the difference? It was the preaching of John the Baptist. Don't you ever forget this. Faith 
cometh by hearing. Didn't say reading. Faith cometh by hearing. You don't like hear preaching? You need to get to like it. Faith cometh by hearing. When John the Baptist came out of the wilderness with honey and locusts hanging from his beard and camel's hair for clothing and began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. The harlots and the sinners, they all gathered around and repented and got saved and glorified God. But the religious leaders cut his head off. Which crowd are you in? Well, I'm not going to repent. Well, you know, you've got a lot of company. And all of God's people said? The Bible said, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Well, what is it? Work. Where is it? His vineyard. When? Now. That's the will of God for your life. Right now. Son, go work. Today, in my vineyard. Whatever it might be. Cleaning the bathroom. Mowing the yard. Teaching the class. Ushering. Singing in the choir. Whatever it might be, get busy for Jesus.